Amen. God is merciful because He got to put up with us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Welcome out to the Wednesday night service at the Potter's House with Jesus still Lord. Amen. And we want to welcome you here as well. If you're watching online, whatever the case may be, God will bless you. We have services 10.30 Sunday morning, Sunday night at 7 p.m. Our midweek service is Wednesday night at 7 p.m. The gospel is preached, amen, and the word of God can help you uh, greatly. Morning prayer, 7 to 8 in the morning. Rise up early, lay hold of the garment of God, your direction for your day, amen. Monday through Friday we pray, believing God, amen. Saturday morning, 10 o'clock is prayer. After that, we do an outreach following that. At 11 o'clock, we go out into the local area, and we let people know that Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. He's not dead on the cross. He's not hidden in a tomb, but he's alive in our hearts. Amen. And so we share that good news with our city. Hallelujah. And God's going to continue to help us as we do that. I want to continue to give a praise report. Amen. From Micaiah Borgos. Uh, just a great blessing um, uh, to see what God is doing in this child and in this family. I mean, God moves in, in mysterious ways. Amen. And uh, many people uh, were convinced, trying to convince them to give up on their son uh, uh, before we even got started. But they said, no, we're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. Yeah, the doctors know a lot, but they don't know everything. Amen. And so what a wonderful, wonderful blessing that is. Amen. Who knows, one day he may preach the gospel. Amen. May yeah. preach the gospel. Praise God. And that is all. That we, oh, actually, we're going to be attending a pastor's rally uh, this Thursday and Friday in Upper Darby, New York. We're going to be traveling there tomorrow morning. Pastors in the area go there. Uh, we go to so the preacher can get preached to. Amen. Because we need Jesus too. Hallelujah. And so we're going to be uh, there. <clears throat> My pastor is going to be ministering at, the, at that time as well. And so uh, you'll be praying for the rally and for our traveling grace. Hallelujah. Uh, we're going to take an offering this evening, hallelujah, and continue to give to Jesus tonight because he is so faithful to give to us. People say, well, what is God giving me? Well, uh, you're still breathing, right? Hallelujah. You woke up this morning, he gave you breath in your body. Uh, because if God don't give you that, you're in trouble, amen? You can have as many oxygen tanks as you want, but if God don't give you breath, uh, you and I are in deep trouble. So he is a God who is constantly giving to us. He is the one who keeps the earth intact in orbit. Amen. He keeps things organized. And so that you and I can enjoy this wonderful creation that he made. And because he has given so very much to us, what that does to the heart that is saved and born again is it causes us to want to release to him and begin to uh, emulate what God has done for us that he has. And so as we look at our world, just drive down the street and you just see people, their lives being destroyed. All the insanity they're involved in. And the heart is, God, we need to reach them. God, you've got to do something. And that all begins right here. In the first church, uh, they understood this. The Bible says they brought to what they had. They laid it at the disciples' feet because they understood something. You know what? If we're going to touch the world, we've got to invest in this. And we've got to be a part of this. We're all in. And I believe that's who we are tonight. We're all in. 
That's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're giving to God tonight. If you're watching online, you give as well. God will bless. Let's pray over the offering. Father, tonight we thank you for the opportunity to invest in souls tonight. Lord, there are those who invest in the stock market, those who invest in properties. But God, we're investing in souls tonight. For that is the most precious commodity known to mankind. So we're asking that you look upon what we give this evening, and that you would multiply it and use it to reach many souls in days to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing, What a Mighty God We Serve. Hallelujah. The basket goes around. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, yeah. The angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. The angels bow before him, well, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we, what a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve, hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve, oh yes. The angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Oh yes, hallelujah. Our God is King and Lord of all. Uh, that's what Nebuchadnezzar said, amen. Everybody needs to serve the God of Daniel because he is the God, amen. And uh, what God did in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, he can do today. Because our world is filled with Nebuchadnezzars, amen. Look what my hands have made. And when in fact it is God who gave them the ability to have those things, amen. Give your Bibles this evening, we're going to be in the book of Revelation and chapter 12, and I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, Victory Over the Impossible. Victory Over the Impossible. We live in a world that is very complex and uh, very difficult to navigate, and because of that, you and I will at some point have something happen in our life that we'll have to categorize it in the category of impossible. In other words, it takes place, and we're looking at this, it is overwhelming, it is larger than we are. We cannot process it, we cannot figure out how it can possibly work out, and so we begin to file it in the realm of impossible. But I want to tell you tonight, God can give us the victory over the impossible. He's able to do this because He is indeed God. Revelation 12, verses 11 and 12, in the word of God tonight, says these words, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of his, of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, 
For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Hallelujah. Now, this is a very, uh, uh, this scripture is kind of like a paradox here because it begins out by, by talking about you and I victory and the great things. But toward the end, he says, but woe unto the inhabitants of Pittsburgh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the devil has come down among you and he has great wrath. Because he knows that his time is short. And so our text brings to light a reality that many people want to push to the side and not deal with. And that is the reality of spiritual warfare. People want to be religious, but I mean, they don't want to pick up the sword, amen, and put on the armor and begin to battle. But you have no choice because the scripture says, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. That means everyone that is down here, uh, you have an enemy now. Say, well, I didn't pick a fight with the devil. No, but he's picking one with you tonight. Hallelujah. And he's come down and he has great wrath. And his whole design is to destroy lives. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we enter spiritual warfare. Before you give your life to Jesus you don't understand spiritual warfare. You're not even involved in it. Why? Because you're not trying to do, you're not trying to resist the devil. Amen. You're hanging out with him. Hallelujah. Amen. You're giving him ideas. The devil said, Well, I never thought of that, man. Up here. But there's no battle. You're just going down the road because you're already on your way to destruction. Why should he why should he harass you? The devil's like, man, they're getting there faster than I could have got them there. Let's just stay back out of the way. They're doing a good job destroying themselves. But the moment you give your life to Jesus, the battle's on. Woe unto you, for he has come down his great wrath, and his whole desire is, I want to stop everyone I can to spend an eternity with God. And so there's a mindset that we have to have tonight. The Bible gives that in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so the word of God is telling you not that we have to have a sober mind, amen. We have to be able to think things through. We have to be able to look at reality and deal with that. One of the great problems of our world today is people don't want to deal with reality. It's an amazing thing. Man will do everything he can to escape reality. But I'm going to know you can't escape reality. Man comes with all of his philosophies and all of his gadgets and tries to change what God has said in action. But I mean, no, you can't change what God has said in action. You can't change nature. It is God's design and plan. Amen. So I don't believe in God. Well, that's okay. You still cannot disavow what he has set into place. It's like gravity. God made gravity. Try to escape it. You can't do it. Because God has said things, so we have to have a sober mind. A sober mind that is alert, attentive to the things of God. That's how we keep our minds sober, amen. And the reason we have to have this sober mind is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. 
and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. I remember reading that scripture early in my Christian life and thinking, the Bible says he takes them captive at his will. Well, the devil wants to capture everyone, doesn't he? And the Bible says he has this ability to take them captive at his will. The devil is always setting spiritual traps for people. That spiritual snare to catch you up and to lead you away. He is a master in this battle tonight. And that is why we have to have a sober mind. Things that the devil uses to trap people like drugs and alcohol, money, fame, immorality. All of these are spiritual snares. People think they're doing their own thing. Oh, I'm doing my own thing. I'm living life the way I want to live it. When the reality is you've already been caught in a snare. You've already been snared up. Because the enemy desires to capture everyone that he can and he uses bait. In other words, uh, uh, our flesh uh, has certain things it likes. Uh, and the devil, he told, uh, uh, Jesus told Peter, he's going to sift you like wheat. He's going to find out what your flesh likes. And he'll put that on the hook. And he'll cast it out there. And uh, you know the rest of the story. He starts reeling you in. Because you've been snared by him. So the devil aims his weapon at believers and Jesus Christ, and he ignores sinners because sinners are already on their way to destruction. So the whole battle is against you and I tonight. And the first battle that humanity fought against the devil, they lost. It was in the Garden of Eden. As he, Adam and Eve were there, and he sifts them. And he finds that weakness and he ensnares them and we know the rest of the story. And so they stepped into the spiritual snare called disobedience and were caught up and we are living in that today. You and I have this fallen nature and we are easily captured in the snare of the enemy. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And here the Bible is saying, uh, before we came to Jesus Christ, our lives were just like Adam and Eve, were disobedient. That's how the world is functioning right now. Anything that is offensive to God, that's what they want. Whatever it is, if, if, if it's going to vex God, then that's what we'll do. We want to do anything we can uh, to be disobedient to God. And this is why the world is in such crazy condition tonight. Because people are inspired to do things that are against God. Because this is the nature of the devil. The devil always wants to take what God made and turn it upside down. But this is the way it's supposed to be. You're not really a, a man. You're supposed to be a woman. I know God would turn it upside down. And this is the devil loves to do this because he hates God. So disobedience uh, is a snare that easily grabs the human race. Um, sin causes the pe people to do things that are actually destroying their souls. 
I look back in life and the things that I was doing that in my mind were fun because my mind was not a sober mind spiritually. And I thought I was doing things that were enjoyable. But when I got saved, I realized I was actually destroying my own life. Because this is the nature of the battle that we're involved in. It is said that the black widow spider, when it mates with the male spider, after it mates, it stings the male and kills it. That's the picture of sin. Right? It says, oh no, come on, it's going to be a great time. And you go in and it stings you. And it kills people's hearts. It kills their emotions. It kills uh, their self-value. Because they begin to partake of those things that God says uh, they should not take of. And so the devil has them captive. And the reality is he will not let us go very easily. Once he has had his, his claws into us, he will not let us go easily. What do you use a story in Mark chapter 9 to illustrate this? Mark 9 verse 20. And uh, they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straight away the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago that this came on him? And he said, as a, of a child. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. And help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So here's a picture of life. This man brings his son to Jesus because his son has been seized by spirit. Somewhere in the life, this young man opened himself up to things, and, and uh, those things became a snare. Tonight, as we sit here in this place, I can guarantee there are people that are opening themselves up to spiritual things. They don't understand, oh, well, uh, that's the little Ouija board, little tarot card, little fortune telling, uh, a, little, a little of this, a little of that. I don't understand that that opens a door in your spirit. The devil makes it all look harmless. You know, there was a, a while up where there were a rash of TV shows, you know, talking to the dead and uh, all these spiritual things on TV. And people would sit down and watch this um, and begin to be lured into this realm of life, uh, opening the door in their spirit. And once the devil seizes that, he latches on to that, and now he seeks to destroy. Uh, this young man is coming, his father's bringing him, and the spirit is destroying his life. And Jesus asked him, how long ago did this happen? And he says, when he was a young child. And then he goes on to describe what is taking place. He says, it tears at him. It throws him in the water. It throws him in the fire. When I read that scripture, I can't tell you how many times I've heard 
on the police radio. Uh, we have a jumper on the bridge. Pittsburgh's got lots of bridges. And the devil is driving people to jump off the bridge. It's the same spirit. There was in those days, they opened themselves up to something that looked like fun in the end. But how many know the devil comes for payday? You signed the contract. You know, those uh, uh, in the entertainment world, uh, uh, many of them begin to make pacts with the devil. We'll make you famous uh, if you'll just do this. Uh, and they become famous, but how many know the devil comes to collect? Why do you think so many of them die young? They open themselves up and the enemy seizes and the father says, basically, this thing is trying to destroy my child. In the year 2021, people are still opening themselves up to spiritual powers. Starts out as fun, starts out as games, starts out as something harmless, but it ends up in depression, oppression, possession, and then suicide. Because the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we have an enemy tonight. And so this father looks at this situation. No doubt, this is not the first time he's tried to get him help. But he, he, he comes now because he sees, I've got a situation that's impossible. I've tried everything I know to try. And it has not helped. It has not worked. I can guarantee you he had taken him down to the synagogue. And had the priest pray over him. And he would sprinkle some water on him. But nothing worked. And so now in his mind, even God can fix this. It's an impossible. What we have is a crisis in life. And. There are many who are in this position even tonight as we speak. They are thinking that their situation is impossible. Hallelujah. Let's look secondly at critical decision making. Critical decision making. This means you have to begin to be able to think things through. This, you know, this is a skill that uh, they're lacking to teach young people today. They don't have critical thinking. Don't think things through. They're just very impulsive. And that's why many lives are destroyed. This father made a critical decision. He's, he's thought this thing through. I've gone down to the synagogue. I've gone to this one. I've gone to that one. Nothing has worked. But he had heard about the ministry of this man, Jesus. I've heard about what's been happening. I've heard about what's been going on. Uh, though many say stay away from him. Uh, he's a rebel rouser. Uh, the priests are saying he's of the devil. Uh, uh, but you know what? I've got an impossible situation. I've tried everything else. And so I need to try this Jesus. He's thinking this thing through now. And he makes a decision. I'm going to go and get him in the presence of Jesus. Now the moment he makes this decision, this is how the devil is. He makes this decision, he takes him and gets him down to where the disciples are. And uh, he takes him to the disciples. And he explains, listen, my son's got this issue, this spirit is trying to kill him up. 
And the Bible says the disciples, uh, they're there and they, and they listen, they minister, but they can't cast it out. Now at this point, <clears throat> this father could have said, you know what? It is impossible. I've come down here to where, uh, you know, Jesus is. I've talked with his disciples. Uh, they've done their best, but my boy is still the same. This is an impossible situation. In life, sometimes we reach a place where we look at our situation that we're dealing with, and we say, this is impossible. I've tried everything, and it's still no change. But he's a critical thinker. Because he said, I've come this far, and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn back, because turn back to what? Amen? I mean, it's like people say, well, you know, you're going to backslide. Backslide to what? What are you going to go back to? The Bible says it's, it's like vomit, amen? That's what you're going back to. There's nothing to go back to. So he's thinking this through. I've come all this way. I was hoping this was going to work. I don't know what's going on. But I'm not going to go back. There's got to be another answer. He's thinking this through now. I've heard about this ministry of this Jesus. How he's delivered and set free. Amen. But yet when I brought him here, it did not happen. How I many know sometimes God doesn't move like we think he's going to move? We got it all figured out. Remember Naaman, the leper? He told Naaman, the man of God is going to see you. He's going to heal your leprosy. Naaman's all excited. He goes down to the house there in Elijah. He, in Naaman's mind, what's going to happen is he's going to run up, ring the doorbell. Prophet's going to come out to wave his hand, say a prayer, and the leprosy is going to leave him. Naaman gets down to the house there, knocks on the door. Elijah doesn't come out, but his servant does. Hey, wait a minute. And then he tells him to go wash in the river. Amen. Dip seven times. And Naaman's leaving. He's mad, man. Hey, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. The man of God was supposed to come out and wave his hands and say a prayer. But you want me to go wash in this river? I've got better rivers in my hometown than this place. And he's leaving. He's upset because it didn't happen the way he thought it would happen. But remember, the Bible says God moves out in mysterious ways. Whatever think you got God figured out you'll, you'll get disappointed So this man says I'm not going to go back I've got to see this through Amen And so he, he sees that Jesus is now coming And he makes a decision To now bring his son Right to the source <laughs> Listen it's good to come to church, but coming to church doesn't mean you came to Jesus. He brought him to the disciples. He's, 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 a picture. he's in church now. He's with the disciples. But you can go to church, but you got to come to Jesus. And so this father's thinking, well, you know what? Nothing personal against you guys, but I see the one coming who has that power that I heard about. And so the Bible says he takes him to Jesus. See, this is critical thinking. I see people come to church all the time. Thank God they come to church, but they never go to Jesus. 
They're, they're waiting for some magic wand to happen. How I many you know you've got to have an encounter with the living God? If your life is going to change, you've got to touch the source. And this man understands that. I've heard about what Jesus can do. And so he presses through to the next level and he brings him to Jesus. But look what it says. Amen. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straight away, the spirit tear him and he fell. In other words, the devil says, I ain't letting go yet. I, listen, the devil, what's he latches on? He's not easy. But he, what he's trying to do is bring complete discouragement to this man's life. You, he's this close to victory and the devil steps in and begins to rip things up and his mind can immediately say, well, I guess even he can't fix this. Look what my boy's doing now. We may as well go back home. The devil wants to discourage us. Right before God wants to bless us. You, you know how you about to, you know you can, when you can tell you're about to get a blessing? When all hell begins to come apart in your life. And the devil wants you to look at all the chaos and miss the blessing. Hallelujah. So he's bringing his son now to the source, to the source, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he's approaching them, the devil manifests, throws this boy down and begins to make a whole scene Trying to make this man think it is impossible. This will never change. Hallelujah. And we can find ourselves in this place sometimes. We have issues we're dealing with, circumstances in our life. Uh, and we think it's a right about to change and all of a sudden uh, the bottom drops out. And it's to make us think this is impossible. So now he's done the critical thinking. He's made a decision. He's come. And uh, the Bible says uh, Jesus begins to question with him. And this man's response is, is the key tonight. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because after we come to Jesus, I mean, we have to be honest with the Lord. Yeah, we've come, Lord, I, I, I'm here, I've heard your word, I've heard about your ministry, I know what you've done. But how I many know, there can still be that thing in us saying, well, I know he did it for them, but I don't know if he can do that for me. If we be honest tonight, sometimes we're in that same realm like this father. We know that God is all powerful. We know he has all things in his hands. But I don't know if he can fix this. And this is what this man is wrestling with. I've got him right up to Jesus. And there seems to be no change. And in his heart, he's revealing, I'm wrestling. Lord, I'm wrestling. He says, I believe. But help my unbelief. This is the inner battle tonight. That we're fighting the enemy. He's turned up all the pressure now to make this man go back. But he makes this honest statement to God. Lord, I'm struggling with unbelief in this area of my life. I know that you're God. I know you have all power. But I'm struggling. And Jesus, amen, gets involved. Hallelujah. How I many of you are honest with God? God will get involved. So the Bible says his son gets deliverance. Jesus cast out the demon, sets him free. 
Thou this man has overcome this doubt and this unbelief from and the hand of God is released, and no doubt he has overcome what he once thought was impossible. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that's what I want in my life, to reach that place where you overcome what you once thought was impossible. Amen. So I know God is powerful, but I don't know if he can do that for me. Well, I'm telling you something. If you and I will be honest with God, how many know when you're not honest with God, you're just being foolish because he already knows? This man could have said, what do you, what do you mean I don't believe, Lord? Of course I have believed. That's why I'm here. And, and the scriptures say and on and on and on. No, but he kept it real. Hey, listen, man, I know you God, but Lord, I've I got some issues that I, I don't know how to believe you for this. I don't know how to believe you for this. We're honest with God. God responds. And he overcomes the impossible. Let's look at overcoming the impossible. There's a, there's a powerful truth here that you and I can embrace tonight in our scripture, in our main text, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by their testimony. Isn't it interesting that you and I, that the, the, the road of salvation, we have to apply the blood of Jesus to our life, and then we have to speak about what he's done for us. This, this combination is bringing you and I to a place of overcoming, and then it says these powerful words, and then they love not their lives to the death. In other words, we can get saved and serve God, but we love this world more than we do our God. And it says, the way that we overcome is, yes, by the blood we receive Jesus Christ, and then we speak about what he's done for us. Remember what Jesus told the Gadarean demoniac? He wanted to get on the boat with Jesus. Lord, I want to go with you. Jesus says, no, you go back to your town, and you tell them what great things God has done for you. And so we speak what God has done for us, and then this powerful phrase that we don't love this life more than the life to come. Hallelujah. I was talking with my uncle last night. My aunt called me, put my uncle on the phone. He's very weak and obviously struggling and maybe about eternity. Was able to encourage him, say, Uncle, listen, the greatest challenge in life is to find Jesus, and you did that, and this life is but temporary. And the life that is to come is more glorious, amen. Uh, Jesus has a place for us. We want to be around the throne of God, worshiping him. Remember, the apostle Paul says, I'm in a hard place because for me to stay and minister to you is helpful to you, but I really want to go be with the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I love you, but I love God more. Hallelujah. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. This means, listen, that our victory is in Jesus. Our victory is in Jesus. So many want to, to think that, listen, they have this ministry, that ministry. Listen, I mean, no, no man can heal anybody. 
You and I don't have anything except God gives it to us. And so what the scripture is telling us is that the battle has already been won. We're trying to fight the thing and it's already done. You know, we're beating the air. Jesus, what are you doing? I'm trying to fight the devil. I've already defeated him. Hallelujah. We don't have to win the battle. It's already been won. Colossians 2, 13 and 15. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, openly triumphing over them in it. Here he's describing the victory that Jesus did. He says at one time you were dead in sin, your heart was uncircumcised, you could not feel the things of God, you did not know the things of God, you had no inheritance in the word of God, but he says you were quickened. That word means to me made alive. When you received Jesus Christ, what happens? Your spirit came alive. You were quickened by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then it says these wonderful words, as Jesus is being crucified, what is happening spiritually is he's blotting out your sins. Jesus is using some Holy Ghost white out, amen. It's all being erased. And when you and I arrive before the throne of God, the devil's there accusing, oh Lord, they did this and they did that. And oh, you should have saw what they did. And God says, let me see the record. And it's clean. The devil's like, what happened? <laughs> Jesus blotted it out. On the cross, he blotted out the hand. Right? Listen, all oh, listen. People don't understand something. You know, they get so upset today about, oh, they're tracking me and there's cameras everywhere. How many know God's been tracking you longer than they had technology? Amen. You got a little ring doorbell. God's got a Holy Ghost vision, amen. And he sees everything. And the Bible says he's writing it down. Even records. And listen, if the power go out, his computer don't go down. It's all still there. And you come up before God. Listen, think about this day. We're going to go before God. And then, and so we know, listen, we've been trying to live for God. But how many know we're not perfect? We got things, man. And we go up before God. And say, we're like, Lord, I, I'm here. But, you know, I, I know I got some issues still. And he says, open the books. They open the book. And it's all erased. Now, how did that happen? Jesus blotted out the handwriting. Then went to the cross and he says he spoiled principalities and powers, triumphing over them in it. And this is how you overcome the impossible. Because the real impossible battle tonight is to overcome sin. If we go into eternity with our sin not forgiven, it'll be a bad scene. So escaping judgment is the impossible task. It cannot be done without Christ. The blood of Jesus has to blot out the writing against your life. And so our victory is in Christ. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives to the death. 
This is very, very powerful tonight. Ever in our text, verse 12, it says, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Hallelujah. There are some religions that believe that we're going to live here forever. This is going to be paradise. Well, you know what? You can have it. Nothing personal against Pittsburgh. Glory to God. But I'm sure heaven's a much better place. It says, Rejoice you heavens, and they who dwell there. Who's that talking about? You and I tonight. And you and I have achieved, we have overcome the impossible through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going to inhabit heaven. We're going to be in the presence of God. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I can tell you what, it's going to be a glorious time. It's going to be a Holy Ghost time. Not for a day, not for an hour, not for millennia, but forever in the presence of God. So you might be battling in your mind what you see as an impossible situation. The avenue is, you first you've got to bring it to the house of God. And then you've got to bring it to the throne. And then you have to be honest with God. And what that does <clears throat> is it brings a deliverance. It helped you overcome what you thought you could not overcome. You know, the soul, I try to get people to see this. If you just come, if you come and let God speak to you, if you respond when God does speak to you, God will do the impossible for you. But so many people try to find it on their own strength. But I can tell you what, we don't have the strength. We need Jesus. It's the blood tonight. The word of our testimony, and we overcome the impossible thing tonight. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight as we come before the Lord this evening. Jesus has given us the victory by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony. They love not their life to the death. As we are before the Lord tonight and bearing our hearts before Him, being honest with Him, we live in a difficult world, a complex world, and sometimes we will come into seasons of impossibilities. God, I don't know how this is going to change, but I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. And as we begin to approach what looks like uh, might be the answer, could be the answer, the devil seems to come and throw everything into disarray. And that's designed to discourage us. Make us turn to other things, other ways, other helps. But I'm declaring tonight, though the devil may manifest, uh, Though he may tear and try and shred, oh, Jesus uh, is able to restore, heal, and deliver, and set free. He's able to do miracles tonight. You're watching online and you're not saved tonight. What you need is Jesus Christ into your life. Hallelujah. Talking to the people of God this evening, maybe you're in a season of impossible. Yes, and you wrestle, and the devil has convinced you this 
this is impossible man you might as well move on to the next thing because this will never be right but I'm declaring to you tonight by the word of God you can overcome this impossible thing we're going to open the, open the altars tonight let's all stand tonight you want to come before the Lord tonight God is dealing with you God is just inspiring you about an area of your life that maybe you said you want to I will, might as well move on to the next thing because this uh, simply is not going to do right tonight I'm telling you lay that before the Lord tonight Lord I looked at this once and it looked impossible but tonight God I'm bringing it back to you and I'm not going to be discouraged any longer because I know that you're the God of impossibilities oh God tonight Encourage every heart that is honest before you, even as the Father said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. If you're watching online tonight, you're not saved. You know that God is real, but you've never stepped in to meet Him. Oh, tonight is the night you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You can do that by a simple prayer saying, Lord, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I want to receive him into my life as my personal Savior. It is his blood that has forgiven my sins. And I receive him as my own tonight. In Jesus' name. Oh, that's the beginning tonight. Saints of God tonight. All went upon impossible scenarios. But Jesus is here. What we thought could never change will be changed. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus.